Everybody glad you're here. Have you ever had one of those stinking weird days? First, let me apologize to anyone that hugged me in this service. I'm sweating like a pig. I get to church this morning and the alarm goes off on my phone that my diabetes is through the roof. And so I call my son. He comes to church with my diabetes stuff. Uh, In the middle of the eight, I I was already preaching, but I uh, gave myself a shot. They thought it was insulin, but I was feeling pretty good. Uh, (laughs) Just kidding. Oh, gosh. Um, I'm glad that we could laugh a little bit because this is a little awkward. But I've been asked to read an open letter to the women present in behalf of their men. Dear ladies, we know you mean well. We know you think you know best, but enough is enough. We've suffered in silence too long. It's time we men stepped out of the shadows of disappointment and shared our hearts. This year, as you consider what you will give us for Christmas, please don't buy what you think we need. We know we need new socks, underwear, pajamas. We know we need to smell better, look better. But how can you fake joy over house slippers? We don't know how to act when we open such gifts. How can you look happy holding a nose hair trimmer? For our sake this season, as you consider the gift, the gift ideas, ask yourself these questions. Can he play with it? Does it swing, bounce, cast, or roll? Does it have a big screen and remote control? If it does, buy it. It doesn't matter if he's already got one. This is no time to be practical. Does the article of clothing you're considering make him look cute or hot? If cute, drop it immediately. If hot, buy two. When all else fails in your search for the right gift, ask yourself, can he eat it? In closing, if you buy us what we want, we'll do the same for you. In fact, a large vacuum sweeper company has offered us a big group discount. And you thought we were insensitive. Love the men in your life. I mean, this Christmas gift thing is crazy. Um, I mean, it's an important part of the Christmas season, right? Our celebration. But have you noticed that every year, the shopping list for these gifts just keeps getting longer and longer? The older you get now, now you got in-laws, now you got children, now you got grandchildren. Never forget friends and family or the oldest pastor at your church. (laughs) No, but it's insane, isn't it? Have you ever tracked, actually, the amount of time you spend invested in what to buy best for the best people in your life? I mean, then comes the shopping and the finding. Then comes the wrapping It is crazy. This season, during all the hustle and bustle, all the incredible activity, 
Are you stopping long enough to think about what Jesus wants most for Christmas? I mean, it is his birthday, right? He's the one that's to be honored most. So what gift does he want most from us? I mean, if you knew what it was and you would give it to him, I mean, his eyes would sparkle, his face would light up with a big smile. He would draw you into a warm, grateful hug. If you knew the gift Jesus wants most for Christmas, would you move heaven and earth to give it to him? Would you move heaven and earth to give it to him? Actually, we don't have to guess about the gift he wants most because it is made clear From the very first Christmas night, 2,000 years ago, here's the text from the word of God. The Bible says, that night in the fields near Bethlehem, some shepherds were guarding their sheep. Now that phrase, some shepherds, is a gross understatement because these were very special shepherds and they were guarding very special sheep. No other shepherds were ever allowed in the fields around Bethlehem and no other sheep were ever allowed in those fields. They were just a few miles away from God's house, the temple in Jerusalem. And these special shepherds, they were special because they were actually priests. They were priests who served God by shepherding these special sheep. The sheep are special because they are being raised to be sacrificed in the temple to pay for the sins of the people. And these shepherds would go to extraordinary lengths to care for these sheep because they had to be as close to perfect as possible. So when a lamb was born, the shepherd would gently wrap it in swaddling clothes and lay it in a manger to thoroughly examine it for any flaw, to completely inspect it for any blemish. Because these lambs, I mean, there would come a day when a vile sinner like me or, or like you, like us, would come to the temple and want forgiveness for sins. And God had prescribed a, a, a deliberate process by which people could be fully forgiven. They would take the face of a lamb and confess all their sins on the head of the lamb. God says this is transferring your sin onto a completely innocent and perfect third party. And then the lamb was slaughtered, sacrificed. The lamb got the death the sinner like me deserved for their sin. So the moment the lamb was born. In preparation for that moment of forgiveness, it's wrapped in swaddling cloth and laying in a manger to fully inspect it for perfection. Well, on this first night, first Christmas, 2,000 years ago, here's what happens next. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. All people. That takes in us. That takes in us. Now, there are nearly 300 angel references in the Bible. And in this series that we're in right now, in each episode, an angel shows up and says, do not be afraid. Fear not. It happened to Zechariah. It happened to Mary. It happened to Joseph. 
And now it's happening to these shepherds, except when it happens to these shepherds, something incredibly different happens. The angel says, you can exchange your fear for great joy. You can actually take your fear and replace it with great joy. Now, I want to know how that works because I've had fears. I wanted to ask you, what's your big fear that stalks you through the day, interrupts your sleep? What are you afraid of that just dogs your life? Is it financial fear? You're afraid you won't have enough for a good Christmas? You're you're afraid you can't keep up with the bills? You're afraid that you're already in debt and you're going to go in more debt? You don't know if you'll ever get out of debt? Or, Or maybe your fear is generated by guilt. You're afraid that you'll be found out. Or maybe the fear. You're afraid that you're going to get through Christmas. Your marriage is going to survive that, but you're not sure afterwards. Are you, are you afraid for your marriage? Are you afraid for your children? Are you afraid for your grandchildren? What's your fear? Are you afraid now that the cancer's back again? What's your fear? Are you, do, do you fear for your mental health? Do you fear for your physical well-being? What's your fear? It's amazing. It's amazing that whatever, I mean, because your fear, whatever it is, it's real and it is big and it dominates your life, but it can be replaced by good, the fear can be gone and in its place can be great joy. Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, in this first Christmas night, I see three important Christmas truths that are universal. 2,000 years later, they're as much for us as they were for them. Here's truth number one. Find Jesus. If you want to have the, the fear rooted out of your life and replaced with great joy, find Jesus. And if you do, I, this is more than just coming to church. But I tell you, if you seek him with all your heart, he promises to be found by you and to enter into deep relationship with you. Find Jesus, lose your fear, and win your joy. Truth number two builds on that. You see, you can't cancel your own fear. You can't get rid of your own fear. You can't pull that off, and you can't create your own joy. You don't have it in you. You need to be saved from your fear, and you need to be given great joy. That leads us to truth number three. You need a personal savior who can rescue you from the fear. Get the fear out and keep it out. You need a savior for that, a savior in Jesus. And you need a loving Lord who not only eradicates the fear, but instills the joy. Whatever your fear, it can be replaced with great joy. That's the truth of Christmas. Here's the text as it goes on. The angel says, this is deeply personal. The pronoun you is plural. It's not just for the shepherd priest back then. It's for you in the room right now. You online right now. For to you is born this day in Bethlehem a Savior. There we go. There's Jesus, the Savior who can save us from our fear. More than our fear, he saves us mentally and emotionally. He saves our relationship. He saves us from our sin. Who is Christ the Lord? The Lord who can give us the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's where we get the joy and it makes us strong. And this will be a sign to you. 
You will find a baby. Oh my gosh. The angel starts to use the shepherd priest language. This will be a sign. A sign points to something. In this case, it points to someone, Jesus. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby. How? Just like you wrap a newborn lamb in swaddling cloth and lay the lamb in a manger. That's how you'll find this savior, this Lord Jesus. It's an invitation for the shepherd priests to come and do thorough investigation of this child, the Lamb of God, born to take away the sins of the world. Come and completely inspect every aspect of this Lamb who is utter perfection. And then something, something wild happens. This is where we learn the number one gift Jesus wants most for Christmas, an entire army of angels show up and give Jesus what he wants most. They give him worship. Here's what the Bible says. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of angels, the armies of heaven praising God. They give worship. Now, I, I think the guy, the angel in the story, I think he's like me. This is why I like this part. I think he can't sing. That's why he needs a whole army of angels. And I'll confess Personally, I'm a jailhouse singer. I'm always behind a few bars and I've lost the key. <laughs> you laughed better than any other audience. I was gonna take three more offerings, but I won't now. But they give him worship. And, and I noticed something about their worship. I noticed three lessons that I've learned for the, from their worship that will help me with my worship. Look what they sing. They sing, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Well, how do you know if you're pleasing God? It's not by keeping every rule and obeying every commandment. It's not by being such a good person. It's not by serving the poor or helping those in need. You please God with your worship. Three things I learned from these angels. They were vocal in their praise. They were full-throated. They didn't hum it. They didn't whistle it. They didn't mumble it. They spoke their praise aloud. Secondly, their praise was public. Now, I love private worship. I worship privately every day. If there was ever an American idol for old men singing in the shower, I'd win hands down. But no, I love private worship, but public worship, something miraculous happens when we come to public worship. And I'll tell you why. These angels, not only did they go public, they came as a community. They came as a great crowd. They came as a congregation. There is the supernatural is released in crowded worship because God promises that where his people gather to worship him, he shows up and is enthroned in their midst. You know what that means? That means that healing is possible in crowded worship. Healing is possible for your mental health. Healing is possible for your marriage. Healing is possible for the relationship you have with your kids. Healing is possible for your physical well-being in crowded worship? Do you ever feel defeated, forgotten, alone? Come worship God in the crowd. Do you ever feel anxiety? Come worship. You know how it's relieved? Come worship God in the crowd and don't stop wor worshiping until you've received his peace from your worship. <laughs> Do you ever feel depressed? Come worship, come do worship in the crowd. 
Because God shows up, knows your need, knows for your hurting, for your brokenness, he gives wholeness. For the hurt, he gives healing. He pours out his goodness in the crowded worship. It's his number one gift that he desires from you this Christmas. And it leads me to truth number four. As God gets our worship, we get God's peace. I really don't know how exactly. It's a mystery to me how this works, but I know I know it's real. I'm experiencing it already. Um, kind of have anticipated this. I mean, December's not just brutal for me. It's brutal for many in the room. My, this will be my first Christmas without my dad, either in his presence or on, on the phone, talking to him. Uh, he's been gone for, well, it was June um, that he passed away, June 2nd, June 7th. My mom, I called her this week and for the very first time, she said something to me that I've known through her grief because my mom met my dad when she was 16. They married when she was 17. She just simply moved out of her parents' house and in with my dad when they were married. They were married for 73 years. She, she said to me this week, I've, I've never lived alone. And she's gonna carry that grief into this first Christmas without my dad after 73, 74 years of Christmases. But she has a peace, a peace that comes in the proportion to her worship. It's, um, a struggle. My Debbie's Alzheimer's. I know that Christmas, she won't be the same Debbie that I've Loved all these years. We've, I've known her for 53 years. We've been married uh, for 49. But things are changing. But I have peace in the face of it. In proportion to my worship. That my worship is vocal. That my worship is public. That my worship is in, is in the crowd. And God heals and God gives peace. Um, The angels gave Jesus the gift he wants most. These angels knew Jesus. They've known him their entire existence. Now the angels are not like Jesus. Jesus is God. He, he, he had no beginning. He is without beginning. He will be without end. He is the eternal God. And he is as much God as God the Father is God and God the Holy Spirit is God. The angels are created being. But as long as they have existed, they've known Jesus. They've loved Jesus. They've served Jesus. They've worshiped Jesus. And so they know what he wants most and they offer it to him in their worship. But the story is not over. Now it's the shepherd's turn to give Jesus what he wants most at Christmas. Here's how the story goes. When the great army of angels had returned again to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, come on, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this wonderful thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Notice they didn't say that the angel has told us about, that the armies of angels have told us about. Notice they said that the Lord, God simply used the vehicle of angels to speak to the shepherds, these shepherd priests, the word of the Lord. It was a one and done though, guys. This had never happened in the history of angels. That army of angels shows up to give Jesus worship and praise. 
we don't get a word from the Lord through one angel or a whole army of them. We get the word of the Lord through scripture. And it's not a one and done. It's available to us every day. We can read every day. We can study every day. We can memorize so that even if we don't have it with us, we can walk away from it and say, bless the Lord, oh my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul and forget not all his benefits. He forgives your sins, heals your diseases, redeems you from the pit, crowns you with love and compassion and satisfies your desires with good things. This is where we get the word of the Lord. The second greatest gift you can give Jesus this this season is what the, the shepherds gave him. The shepherd priests, they believed the word they received. Even though it came to the vehicle of angels, they believed the word. And so we believe the word. From beginning to end, it is our authority without error, without flaw. We believe all the promises of God, his promises for our marriages, his promises when we sin, his promises of forgiveness, his promises of reconciliation and restoration, his promises for our parenting, his promises, thousands and thousands. But we also believe his commands that when we follow them, they are healthy guardrails that keep us from going off the cliff. And friends, I've gone off the cliff. You've gone off the cliff. But his commands also show us the way to get back on the right path and to be redeemed and restored and reconciled with God. And so maybe you're new here. Maybe you're new to the the faith. And so I want to tell you what we believe. We believe Jesus is God without beginning, without end. Creator God, who came to earth through human birth, born of a virgin, so that he was fully God and fully human at the same time, all the time he was on this planet. Fully God, fully human. We believe from the gospel of Luke that Jesus grew as a young man in wisdom and stature, grew physically and in favor with God and man. We believe that when he was 30 years old, He submitted to the beautiful spiritual experience of baptism that we might follow him in that experience. For Jesus, he was pointing forward to the cross as he was buried under the water. And as he was raised up, he was pointing to the resurrection. For us, it's not just pointing back to the cross, sharing fully with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. It's pointing right in here. Now we know we put the past behind us. We buried our baggage. It's not just, it is that our sins are forgiven, but it's not just that. We have been cleansed of all guilt and shame. We have received the immeasurable mercy of God, the superabounding grace of God. We have received his everlasting kindness. We've experienced his deep compassion as we followed him in baptism. And then for three years, he does ministry teaching, miracles, Love unspeakable, love unspeakable. And all that time was without sin. Knew no sin, did no sin. All the time, he battled his way. I mean, it was war, tenaciously. He gained victory over every single temptation. Where we have all failed miserably in our life, he won every single time. And then, at the end of the third year of his ministry, at the age of 33, He willingly laid his sinless life as the Lamb of God down on the cross. Now this time in a manger, swaddling clothes. This time stripped naked. 
utterly humiliated. He was getting what we deserve for our sin. He was our substitute. He was taking our place. He got all the punishment. All the consequences of our sin fell on Jesus. He was literally made to be our sin and we were made right with God by our belief in him. We believe that from the cross, Jesus was fully physically dead. And when his limp, lifeless body was removed from the cross and laid in a stone-sealed tomb, He was fully physically dead, but we also believe that on the third day, God raised Jesus from the dead and he is now ascended to the right hand of God where he prays for you all the time. Scripture says he lives ever to praise for, pray for you, to pray that you will believe, pray that you would give him worship, pray that you will find his peace, pray that your fear will be uh, ejected from your life and that you will be injected with his great joy. The gift Jesus wants most at Christmas, you can't wrap it. It costs your time, your heart, the best of your energy, it's worship and belief. But there is more. Show me the next slide, please. Not that one. I went way by that, way by that one. Here we go. The, the shepherd priest gave Jesus obedience. You, you see, our worship is hollow just words without belief. And our belief is empty as well without our immediate obedience to what we find in God's word. The shepherds gave Jesus not just worship and belief, they gave him obedience. They ran, pulled up their robes, slapped their sandals on the ground. They ran to the village of Bethlehem and found their way. They sought, they, they looked, they finally found their way to Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling cloths, awaiting their thorough examination. We believe and we obey. You and I have a role to play in God's cosmic drama this Christmas. This Christmas, and not just Christmas, this afternoon. This evening, you have a part to play. You, you may seem insignificant, but God has given you an incredible role in the Christmas drama, like this little boy. Okay, here's the deal. You are the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do. So what do you do? You say, yes, get in there, be the door holder. I got this. Here's truth number five from that first Christmas night. When we obey Jesus, we get more of Jesus. We get more of his joy. We get more of his peace. Obey Jesus in your relationships and you get more of his everlasting love. Obey Jesus in your finances and you get more of Jesus, his supply, his abundance, his provision. Obey Jesus in your thought life and you get your thoughts set on things above. Obey Jesus in your emotions and you get more of his joy. You get super abundant peace. You get super abundant hope. You get super abundant love. I don't think there's any better expression of believing and obeying than what we saw at the nine o'clock service uh, when a young woman uh, came forward to be joined with Jesus in baptism. Believe 
and obey. Isn't that how Jesus said it right before his ascension into heaven? Mark 16, 16, anyone, I mean Jew, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. You believe and you obey. It's the first thing you do in obedience upon your belief that Jesus is God, your Lord, your Savior, your crucified and risen King. Here's the way Peter preached it on the day the church was born. Change your life. How are you going to do that? You can't pull that off on your own. Nor can I. What do we do? We turn to God and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so your sins are forgiven. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Spirit of God. And he begins to produce in you what you can never do on your own. Goodness, kindness, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit. I'd like to pray a prayer or blessing over you right now if you would stand with me. I really appreciate you laughing at my jokes. <laughs> and not be offended by my body odor. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna call down the goodness of God on you. Would you pray with me now? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Our Father in heaven, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. Lord, we bow our heads in humility. We are clueless and powerless. We need your help. We shut our eyes so that we could look into our own hearts and identify the, the places, the imposter gods that have stolen worship, our worship from you, Lord. Jesus we want to give you what you deserve and what you want most this Christmas. We give you full-throated worship. You are our king. We give you our trust, trusting your word, promises and commands. We give you our obedience. You have saved us. We belong to you. You have saved us by your savage suffering on the cross. You are risen from the dead. You offer us resurrected life. We will obey you now and forever. Throughout all eternity, you are worthy. Glory to God. Glory to Jesus. In the name above all names, we receive blessing and pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and follow us on our social media platforms. That way you can stay up to date with what's happening here at Central. And as always, have a great week.